I really admire when multiple sports series and leagues are taking place concurrently. Right now, we've got the Celtics Warriors tussle in the NBA Finals, the MLB, and cricket all over the world. Not to mention, the French Open ended not too long ago, with Wimbledon and ATP tours having already started and are upcoming as well. After watching sports for a while, I think it's so cool to look back at a player's career and see how they've changed since their first time playing and early successes. The development of some players within just a few years is insane, but I often find that when things seem to be going really well for a player, they just end up being out of the loop, if that makes sense. Obviously, it goes without saying that the most successful athletes are those who have been consistently playing and performing well enough to get the attention of recruiters for a team and stick with them. And it is amazing to see how different someone's path towards the success point is. For some, it may be one game or moment that marks their transition towards a talented career, while for others it may just be a consistency at a higher level. In our last episode, we took a look at the early successes Stan Wawrinka had in the International Tennis Federation Junior Challenge. We mentioned how he was in direct competition with Roger Federer, both being from the same country and having seen success at around the same time and age. What lay in store for Wawrinka after his career high ranking of world number 29 at the age of 21? This is episode 17 of the Spaghetti Podcast, a continuation of our most recent episode. And as always, I hope you guys enjoy. One thing we highlighted in our last episode about Warinka was that even though he had so much success at the junior level, he seemed to lack a lot of consistency when transitioning to tennis post becoming pro. We also mentioned that consistency is important, not just in sports, but in the development of resilience as it allows you to approach situations with a mindset that can help more easily dictate a plan or outcome. Wawrinka actually found himself having a really large string of losses against the top players. 14 in a row versus Novak Djokovic, 11 in a row versus Roger Federer, and 12 in a row versus Rafa Nadal. And along with that, he lost 7 out of his previous 8 games against Andy Murray. At this point, many tennis fans began to feel that Stan couldn't really quite catch up to the big names, and rather, he would be regarded as someone that could cause a few upsets every now and then, but not really someone who could make it big on the Grand Slam level. Personally, I think that was a fair assessment at the time. I mean, just in that sample of matches alone, that is more than 40 matches that he has lost against these top players. Sport may be very unpredictable, but it can be noticeable when someone isn't in form and is struggling to find timing. It would be hard for most people to accept Warinka as someone having a realistic chance of becoming a world champion. I'm sure we've all been there. You get the feeling that no matter how much time you put into a task, it just isn't coming off, and you aren't able to meet the success that you'd ultimately like to. Consistency, after all, is hard to maintain. Even for the best athletes, it is very difficult to replicate match performances all the time. 
In several high school sports, such as tennis, we may see the same athletes playing against each other when their schools are playing, and one may always tend to beat the other. Playing the best in the world demands the best of your own skill set. Even if Warinka was consistently losing, many athletes enjoy just being able to play against the big players. Surely, Stan would be able to develop a lot of experience from these matches, and with his coaches and team personnel, be able to assess exactly what he needs to work on. And that's what Stan saw in it. He remained positive, never giving up on tennis due to not only his initial success, but his passion for the sport. Stan wanted to continue doing what he loved. A lot of athletes have the overarching childhood goal of winning tournaments, titles, and trophies. Stan was actually different in that sense. Even while being extremely young, Stan's goal was to merely compete in the slams, not necessarily win them. This reinstated his career-defining tennis philosophy, staying humble and improving one step at a time. So yes, in a way you could say Stan brought down his goal and ambitions, but the competitive attitude and determination was always there. Warinka learned to think like a loser. When asked to describe his mentality, Stan said, As a tennis player, you have to get used to losing every week. Unless you win the tournament, you always go home a loser. But you have to take the positive out of a defeat and go back to work. Ultimately, his motto was, improve to fail better. Brief segue into another insight. We've talked before about the time commitment involved with truly mastering a skill. Often, in trying to achieve a goal, we become too focused on the end result, and don't spend time reflecting upon our previous attempts. As much as resilience is about persevering to reach that bigger goal, how you get there also matters. By working your way through what you can improve on, slowly but surely, you'll have a sense as to why something isn't really going the way you expect it to. So that 10,000 hours we were talking about? It's important to spend those 10,000 hours wisely. Change up your routine to cater to what you may need to focus on more specifically. And sure enough, you'll improve one way or the other. With this in mind, 2013 was a critical year for Stan Warinka, in terms of change. Let's start with the lesser known one. He had a new tattoo on his left forearm, featuring a quote from Irish writer Samuel Beckett. It was, Ever tried, ever failed, no matter. Try again, fail again, fail better. No surprises there. I mean, this quote almost perfectly matches Stan's tennis philosophy. And it's fitting that he adds a tattoo to his forearm, as that sort of marks a success, marks some sort of determination that he's ready to compete against some of these big names, ready for those slam tournaments. Now onto the court itself. We mentioned Stan's lack of consistency before, but this was the year in which he appointed a new coach, Magnus Norman. Stan's forehand had always been traditionally weaker, compared to his other strokes but it gradually evolved into something that he could use to hit balls much more regularly. As a result, there were also less mental breakdowns during matches, something that he'd also experienced previously. And instead, what seemed to replace this was a strong fighting spirit in clutch moments, collectively leading to increased consistency. He began to see better results at major Grand Slam tournaments, with not as many huge strings of losses like he was experiencing initially. This transition started off against Novak Djokovic in the 2013 Australian Open. Warinka was able to force a fifth set tiebreaker in Melbourne, 
He lost 10-12 in that tiebreak, but the game was very long and marked a defining moment in terms of Stan's persistence and determination and willingness to compete against some of the quality of Novak Djokovic. Djokovic was put to toil hard in this game, and Stan was able to gain advantage and momentum at times, but he was not able to unfortunately do it enough to win the game. It was a game where you had no idea what was going to happen next because of the sheer quality of both players playing. Later that year, Wawrinka was able to break his series of losses against Andy Murray, as he beat him in straight sets during the US Open. Now this was certainly a statement after absolutely dominating him, showing signs of a full-fledged Stan Wawrinka. In the finals, once again, Wawrinka lost to Djokovic, but it was another relentless exhibition of tennis in a five-set thriller. All these matches have highlights that are posted on YouTube, and I'd recommend you check them out to see exactly how much each player had to work hard in order to win the game and just play out every point. 2013 was a year of Wawrinka versus Djokovic, for he would actually lose to Djokovic again, in this time in the semifinals of the ATP World Tour, very late in the year. So one thing that differentiates tennis from many other sports, in my opinion, is that every ranked match you play is a knockout. I mean, to win a tournament, you have to win every single match in that tournament because of the single elimination aspect of it. And every time a tennis player plays, every time we see a tennis player play, it's in a tournament. So you have almost no wiggle room to lose. In many other sports, teams either play in series or in a way that they don't have to win every single match to qualify for the playoffs. Now I think this adds a lot more pressure on tennis players, because you have to be able to come back within a match itself, as opposed to other athletes who may they can afford to have a few bad games, but as long as they come back over an entire tournament, you know, that's what matters as they'll qualify for the playoffs then. With tennis, you have to be on top of your game in literally every match. While Wawrinka's performances in 2013 illustrate how much he developed as a tennis player, it also suggested something about Novak Djokovic and the quality of player that he is. The ability to bounce back under pressure. We hear this a lot in sports, and it's much easier said than done. But surely through these sequence of matches, Wawrinka would have learned how to combat those moments of pressure just a little bit better. Enter the 2014 Australian Open quarterfinals. Stan versus three-time defending champion Novak Djokovic. Novak took the first set, but Stan came right back with the next two sets, followed by Novak winning the fourth. Once again, another five-set thriller. But this time, finally, a different result. After Djokovic guided a volley wide in the 17th game of the set, Stan had done it. He was the man of the moment with a career-changing win. He'd finally conquered his nemesis, preventing him from advancing three times in 2013. But that wasn't the only glory for Stan in the Australian Open that year. He knocked out Thomas Burdich in the semifinals, beat, and then proceeded to beat an injured Rafa Nadal to win his very first Grand Slam trophy. So in the span of just a couple of years, Stan had not only changed his series of losses, but he came back with success, much success. But even after you've reached a point of glory, you may start to feel an additional toll on yourself. The toll of expectation. Naturally, you'd want to set higher standards for yourself after having experienced what it is like to be a champion. While nobody wants to succumb to pressure, it can easily get to you no matter what your form may be in. 
And that's the thing about tournaments like the NFL. With so many changes to a team during the offseason and during the drafts, sometimes it doesn't matter too much whether you made it to the playoffs or you've won championships the previous year. I believe after the 49ers played against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl two years ago, the 49ers didn't make the playoffs the year after, for an example. With tennis being an individual-based tournament though, form does come into the foray a lot more differently than those team-based sports. As Stan felt pressure being a champion and playing in Roland Garros, it got to him. He suffered a first-round exit in the following French Open, and some of the criticisms that were initially present seemed to come back. Experts deemed his performance at the Australian Open a fluke, and were doubtful that Stan could replicate his success, as they stopped considering him for major titles. Stan went through this period of rebuilding and reworking his skill sets once more, before he came back strong in the French Open the following year, in 2015. He had much more success this time after that first round exit last year, beating the likes of Roger Federer and home favorite Joe Wilfred Sanga. He reached the finals and the man whom he had to beat was, you guessed it, Novak Djokovic. Djokovic had been fired up this year with his performances. Experts were keen on seeing Djokovic making a calendar year Grand Slam, that is, winning all of the Australian Open, French Open, US Open, and Wimbledon in a single year. If Djokovic had won the French Open, he would achieve a career slam, having won every major tournament at some point. So there was a lot at stake on a man full of confidence, especially after having beaten Rafael Nadal to get to this point, earlier in the tournament in the semi-final round. At the end of my last episode, I want to bring attention to something I mentioned. I mentioned the 2015 finals match between Djokovic and Wawrinka, and I'd once again like to recommend it just to see how Wawrinka was able to fight back and showcase confidence of his own. As a huge underdog with so much to play for, Stan was down early in the match during the first set, but the next three sets featured some magnificent tennis from the Swiss tennis player. Stan defined the odds to claim another major title, and to do it against his nemesis throughout his professional career thus far was an incredible achievement. It's hard to pick up on emotions during matches in any sport, not just tennis. But I can bet that Stan had his philosophy in mind almost completely whenever he came out to play. Ultimately, he knew what was required of him, and he got to the point where he was able to execute his success even if things didn't go his way initially. So what happened next? Well, Stan would keep playing consistently for a few more years, winning the US Open 2016 as well in addition to the previous two titles that he won. But after a point, his career was severely plagued by injuries, namely with two big foot surgeries. Very unfortunate for a man who had developed so much and knew what it was like to be a champion. That's not something that everyone experiences. Naturally, these injuries affected his gameplay, and he couldn't replicate success as easily post these injuries. But in April of this year, he was back playing in the Monte Carlo ATP Tour. And he actually returned to play in the French Open this year, a month ago. But he lost in the very first round. So this idea of improving to fail better. Stan improved to fail so well that he ended up winning a Grand Slam not once, not twice, but thrice. 
Many say that a humble attitude can take you a long way, but I feel it was this attitude and philosophy in combination with determination to play under pressure. A lot of teams select players that have the ability to play in crunch situations and know what is required of them when it is needed most. Whatever your passion is, it takes a lot of work to truly excel at it. Every game, every year, is always a new learning experience. Just when you think you've seen everything, you realize you haven't. Even the greats of the game are learning, and having a mentality that allows them to do so helps achieve control. I mean, you can be hitting as many forehand winners as possible, but at some point you have to question whether it really is the best shot to play all the time. I was watching this year's French Open finals a few weeks ago between Norwegian player Kasper Ruud and Rafa Nadal. It was unfortunate to see that the match was relatively one-sided in favor of Nadal, but one thing I noticed was that Ruud was not able to generate enough power on his backhand compared to his opponent. Now this was Ruud's first slam final, and surely from future experience, being a 21 year old, he'll come back stronger and be very impressive. We've discussed the importance of experience many times, but it's important to be able to pinpoint moments within those experiences. Defining moments, those that, can take, that you can take with you and learn from. Achieve control, stay calm, and prepare for the best by improving to fail better. Make sure to follow up on Stan Wawrinka's career with some of the resources I have attached to this episode description.